good evening. Welcome to Recovery Internet Radio. You're joining us here tonight. Thank you very much for uh, episode number 75. My Woo-hoo! goodness wow. gracious. What a milestone. This is we're on our we're in our second year. So we appreciate your support and uh you know, we hope we uh, bring you a good message here. So we're broadcasting live and direct from Straight Stuff Studios, enjoying a beautiful uh, weekend at the end of the summer here. Uh let's see, we've got a couple of uh a couple of friends and, and I don't want to call them sponsors because we don't we don't take we don't take the cash, but you know, we'd like to we'd like to share the love. Uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We, we could set up a way for you to donate if you'd like, but um, no, we're we're fine. Um, I'd like to uh, mention a program that we're we're pretty seriously involved in, um, kind of up and off the ground and running now. It's called Sidekicks Mentoring. It's a youth mentoring program for uh, maybe some some youth youth that are a little bit more at risk and maybe have had some some troubles in the past uh, and you know are trying to trying to be on the straight and narrow. So we try to set them up with people that have had similar life experiences, uh, positive role models, people that have been there and done that and, and, and are motivated to give back. So it's a great program. We're, n- we're not your big brother, big sister, but, you know, yeah, we're, we're a little bit more intense. And it's, uh, there's no, no uh, money involved? No money involved. No, um, you know, we work with uh, several different agencies, and uh, we've got some great mentors, and it's a no-cost program. Get a hold of us. Uh, check us out. We're on the web at sidekicksmentoring.org. So we got our phone number on there, all that good stuff. So uh, check it out. Let's see. What else do we got? Oh, Double Take. Double Take the band. Bob Parper. Mm-hmm. You guys Bob went and saw them. Harper. Ten gallon. How was the show? You went. You went just a couple weekends ago. Fun. Yeah, we had, we had, we had a gas. Excellent. Too. Ooh. Yeah. Hey. Big band. So you never know. Special guest stars. Special hey. guest stars. How about that? Sure. They do. Uh, they do cover music from you know 50, 60, 70, all the way all the way to today. It almost sounds like Star 105.5. You know. It does. They their their yeah. logo motto whatever it is. Right. They're a lot of fun though. Check out their website. It's uh, doubletakechicago.com. Chicago. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you forget to turn your speakers down on your computer, it automatically starts playing Brick House right yeah. away. So yeah. be ready for that. Yeah. Brick. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, check check out our friends. Check out Sidekicks Mentoring uh, if you or if someone you know uh, is, is in need of uh, that kind of service. And uh, check out DoubletakeChicago.com. That's all I got. Mr. Okay. Uh, I'd like to introduce our host, of course, tonight, Mr. Rick Atwater. Yeah. Man who needs no introduction. A man who needs no introduction except for tonight. Occasion. Um, anyway, welcome to Recovery Internet Radio and our show, Straight Stuff on Addictions. Our tag tonight is uh, "Losing the Ten Year Fight Ends in a Big Win." And uh, how'd you like that title? I didn't ask you. That, I guess we'll go. With it. Okay, at this point, <laughs> it's I, out yeah, there. It's a it's a little late. We we you know. <laughs> Anyway, thanks for joining us tonight where we are every Sunday night at 8 o'clock. Um, and thanks to Chris, our engineer, um, and Karen, our guest. Um, you can call into the show for questions, comments, or um, whatever other reason you feel like it at 323-792-2977. That's 323-792-2977. Call us if you would like. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can tweet us live at Rick Atwater, and that would get you uh, live tweet into the show, and you can ask a question if you wish. Also, remember to check out recoveryinternetradio.com. 
That is recoveryinternetradio.com. (laughs) (laughs) There is. We're going to try to get six of those in tonight. Um, A little promotion. Um, Anyway, you can go to recoveryinternetradio.com for all of our archive shows. So all of those 75 shows are available for you. Yeah. Uh, And you can also listen live uh, at recoveryinternetradio.com if you tune in to the website at the time we're broadcasting. You certainly can. And and as Rick mentioned, it's recoveryinternetradio.com. There's just a little button that says listen live. And uh, as long as you're at the right time, you can listen to us uh, right now. And uh, feel free to give us a call at that number. We can take calls, you know. Or, uh, and and like Rick said, all our shows are archived too. So if uh, now is not a convenient time for you, feel free to listen to it from the website, download it to your computer, uh, subscribe to the RSS feed. Uh, get it on your iPhone or iPad. We're we're all over. We're, we're all, all over the place. place. Yeah. One of my one of my uh, friends listens to it on his cell phone yeah. when he's traveling. Sure. And then makes fun of me later, but <laughs> it's uh, but that's how he listens to it. And so uh, and just a, just a mention, um, one of our regular uh, studio uh, audience people is not here tonight. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that always does the uh, uh, voice imitations, you know, for us. But he's but he's not here tonight. Anyway, that's Dr. Tom Franz. He's a chiropractor. So, but he's really a, he, even though he does really good voices, he's even a better chiropractor. So if you need if you need chiropractic care in our area, call Dr. Tom Franz at Franz Chiropractic at eight one five four four four. Nine four six six, and we miss you tonight, Tom. But you're probably working. So, um, okay. So I think we'll get started with tonight's show. And um, nice to have you with us tonight, Karen. Thank you. I appreciate your asking. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Um, I guess I'd like to start by asking you to maybe tell us a little bit about how you uh, how you came up, how you grew up, your, a little bit about your family. Oh, okay. Our whole family is from Washington, D.C. And um, um, just grew up in a family. Drinking was all over the place, right? Both parents, <laughs> grandparents. It was just understood. I thought all families were like that. Mm. And... Um, um, just didn't know any other way, and there was never any question for me that I wouldn't drink someday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I I noticed my dad was kind of a quiet guy, but when he drank, he got more talkative and relaxed. Mm-hmm. And my mom was kind of um, uptight, and when she drank, she she was a happy drunk. So it was. Kind of a good thing, I thought, mm-hmm. when they drank. It seemed to be so. Did it get um, to? I mean, did you ever, looking back on it now, I mean, the picture is different when you look back, but mm-hmm. looking back on it now, did, when did it occur to you that that, if did it ever occur to you that the drinking in your family was a problem? Well, I, both of my. Neither of my grandmothers drank, and my one grandmother. We lived with my mother's parents, and um, and grandma didn't. didn't grandma touch didn't it. drink. 
And um, that would be called she, a teetotaler in the yeah, day. Yeah, and mm-hmm. but she was always just praying for everyone to please stop drinking and 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 asking us to help her pray to St. Jude, <laughs> uh, patron saint of hopeless cases. And <laughs> Isn't he the guy you bury upside down in the front yard when you want to sell Joseph. you? Oh, that's St. Joseph. I get yeah, him mixed up. Okay, so St. Jude. The, so the, I just thought, you know, she just was taking all the fun out of everything. You know, everybody was having a good time. Except, uh, you know, as a kid, um, my grandfather was had a very responsible job with the uh, Treasury Department. Mm-hmm. and um, But he would come home, dinner must be on the table at 6 o'clock, and then he would get roaring drunk, hmm. roaring drunk every night. And he was abusive, too. To my grandmother, so I always liked that phrase, "roaring drunk." Mm-hmm. For some reason, does do when somebody gets roaring drunk, do they actually roar? Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. He, he actually did, and uh, he drank Red Bull rum. I'll never forget it. And he just, but Red Bull he, rum, Red Bull rum, almost goes with a roar. Just yes, has a does. kind of a yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he he was a real nasty drunk, mm-hmm. and. Um, the other grandfather, on Sundays, we'd walk to my dad's um, parents' house, and um, that was where everybody had Sunday dinner, and the two grandfathers didn't get along, but they would drink, and I have a really cool picture of them, just shoulder to shoulder, scowling at each other, and of course, they're both drunk, but <laughs> um, anyway, it was, that was, that was it. That was it, yeah. It yeah. was, that's. That's life. Isn't everybody's life like that? Right. And so, like, did you, how old were you when you kind of caught on that things were a little different maybe in your family? Were you already out of the house or was it, you know? Um, well, we moved, my parents moved my sister and I, I have a, one sister four years younger than I and. Uh, we moved to the Chicago area when I was seven, and mom and dad, you know, there was no such thing as a babysitter. And they just took us everywhere. I slept in um, booths in beer joints and pool halls and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, that was natural. That's what we did, and um, we went everywhere with them, and, and drinking was always involved. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So, and... In, in when well, so would you say that you were predisposed? Would you use that word? <laughs> <laughs> well, how what, what word would you use? Um, I certainly. Well, I think I was born an alcoholic. Uh, I when I got sober years later, I as I'm wrestling with, you know, am I an alcoholic? Aren't I an alcoholic? Um, you know, why am I an alcoholic? I just have come to the conclusion that I am and it doesn't matter. The why doesn't matter. I mm-hmm. it, What does matter is that I know that I'm an alcoholic and I know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's, you know, recovery. And I, mm-hmm. can I say A8? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because yeah. that's where I found recovery. Yeah. Years later, though. Okay, so I've heard, I've heard people say I... 
I was born an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So tell me what that means in your from your frame of reference. What does that mean? Does that mean the first time you ever took a drink you went south or does that mean mentally or does that mean genetically? What do you mean? What, well, um you said, you know, looking back. Yeah. Um and that's how I've had to kind of um add things up. I um I did have my first drink at 15. I did get drunk. I did get sick. I did have a blackout. I did uh, throw up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was horribly embarrassed and remorseful. Um, Those wouldn't be good signs. (laughs) That was the first time. That was the first time. That wouldn't be good. No, No, that wouldn't be good. I think you covered most of the early stage symptoms (laughs) right there. Right, but uh, what I didn't recognize at the time was um, as bad as the whole experience was, and and I happened to be out of town. I was um, acting as a nanny for a family that I used to babysit for, and Mm -hmm. they took me to Michigan with them. And they gave me permission to go to this party, which... um, I'm sure they didn't know was in chaperone. I didn't know was was in chaperone, <laughs> but you know I was handed a glass about that big, full of dark red wine and um, sweet. And I, you know, it just tasted really good and that warm feeling. And all of a sudden, I'm relaxed and I'm not at all shy with these people that I don't know, kids my mm-hmm. own age. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but it, the, the whole experience was so embarrassing the next, well, that night when I went home to this family's place, summer place, and throwing up, and they they have to clean up after me because I couldn't do it, and horrible hangover. And the next day, I remember thinking, I'll never drink Mogan David wine again. Mm. <laughs> and mm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, someone who wasn't an alcoholic would probably say, oh, that was a horrible experience. I'll never drink again. But mm-hmm. I'm just already... Separating it out by yeah, brand. It yeah. must have been it, it must the Mogan David. Mogan David. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's the first thing I thought. It was, right. oh, that's, that's terrible stuff. Anybody would get sick on that. You'd have to have a something respectable to drink. You'd be, you'd be fine. <laughs> Right. So, well, one, you know, I mean, one of the questions that I had, in, you know, in the hopper for you was to talk a little bit about how how it progressed. Mm-hmm. So how think you know how your drinking progressed, but but let's just say you kind of were one of those that kind of got a running start. You were, yeah. Well, I was in high school, obviously. Yeah. I was fifteen. Yeah. There, I, there was no just rush to oh, this is the answer. I just realized that was the answer for me and pretty soon I'd be 18 and I'd be legal to drink and my parents would be fine with it and you know it it wasn't like I have to do this every right. night right away you right know, I just knew it was in my future that's all yeah it was pretty much locked in did the did the people that you were nannying for after that first experience did they know that you had been drinking and that's why you were sick Yes, they yeah. knew, and I and I was trying to think about, you know, um, if 
they told my parents or if I ever if they ever asked me to babysit for them again. I can't remember any of it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, <laughs> so it was a blackout. <laughs> kind of blanked that, blanked that out. Yeah. Did you so. do you remember your parents ever getting mad at you for drinking? No, never. Did they did they ever know that you were drinking? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I didn't I wasn't a regular drinker through the rest of high school. Mm-hmm. It, it was just okay, and I, I I was the last one of three good close friends who turned eighteen, and at that time. The drinking age was 18 for girls and mm-hmm. um, 21 for boys. Is that odd? That is odd. Was yeah. that here in this state? Illinois, yeah. That was in 19... 19- We've always been a little bit odd yeah. here, but I didn't know that. I know they switched. I know they, they made the, the it 18 again sometime maybe, I don't know, 20 years ago or so for, for a couple of years, and then it went back to... 21. Yeah. But I didn't know. 18 for girls, mm-hmm. 21 for guys. That's right. That's right. What was the logic for, for that? You know? I guess they thought girls were more mature. Huh. Aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I, I was the last of three friends. We could ask friends. more questions about that, but we won't. We'll just, we'll just leave that alone. Okay. And uh, so anyway, uh, you know, with my parents' blessing. I borrowed the car, and the three of us went out for dinner, and I had uh, ordered, you know, my first legal drink, whiskey sour. A whiskey sour, Mm -hmm. and you had just one. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. See, once again, I'm I'm searching for symptoms here, but, you know, looking for loss of control and that kind of thing. But anyway, so what you're saying is that at least for – at least for a period of time, like when you were in high school and up to the time you were 18, you weren't drinking every day, even no. though the, it might not, you might not have had a normal attitude about drinking. Right. Your drinking hadn't really gotten um, the rest of the way out of control. Right. No. There so, was just never any off button for me from yeah. the very start. You know, once I drank, I would keep drinking until I either got drunk, passed out, Sick, you know, or it was gone. It was yeah. gone, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. So take us from there, from the point at which, you know, from your 18th birthday, what what happens now? What what uh, what do you do? And what's your what's happening in your life? And what's your drinking like? Uh, well, I was pretty much daily. I I moved away from home after I graduated from high school, and I where'd I you got, go? Um, I got a job in Chicago. Mm-hmm. At an advertising agency, mm-hmm. Edom Lewis and Borby, and um, that was um, 1957, I think. And um, you know the three martini lunch and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I did that too. I was in the mail room, but I was in advertising. <laughs> no, I wasn't an executive, and, but and because you were right, more mature, you could have three mart uh, three martini lunch. Yeah. Well, but- everybody did. Every yeah. everybody drank it at, at lunch. lunchtime then. Yeah. Isn't there a show out now called Ad Men? I think I've not really seen, seen it. No. Is that is that out there? Do you know what? No. I think it's called yeah. Sure. Mad, Mad Men. Yeah. It's Mad about, Men. It's about advertising right. exactly. And it's right. about that time yeah. period, right. like the fifties. Yes, I have seen the clothes that they wore. And, <laughs> and it's good. Yeah, so it's you good. that's what you were doing at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how did that go for you? Well, I 
was enjoying my life, I thought. But at that time, um, I stopped going to church. I had been baptized Catholic, and um, my dad was um, atheist or agnostic. I'm not really sure. My mom was a lapsed Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so there was, you know, they sent my sister and I to church and to parochial school. And um, so, but they didn't go to church. They just sent us and they stayed in bed and read the paper on Sunday. And um, so when I left home, I thought, well, I'm not going to go to church. Why should I go to church? <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't go. So, And I, I really honestly didn't get anything out of it. And um, <clears throat> so... And, and actually, I, I kind of did it as a test. I thought, if there's really something to this, lightning's going to strike if I if I turn away from the Yeah, church. bad things are going to yeah, happen. Bad things you, will yeah. happen. And they yeah. didn't, so life goes on and everything, you know. So I really um, had no kind of spirituality or, or um, connection whatsoever. Um, so you kind of you kind of left God in the dust about then. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Went on about my life and and things. My drinking, I kind of, I've described it as the Chinese water torture type. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people do drugs and alcohol and and life in the fast lane. You know, right. sort of thing. And when I got sober. Uh, there was a gal in my home group. Um, she was 22, and she'd been sober five years already. Holy so, cow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, by the time I got sober, I was going on my 54th birthday. So it, my alcoholism just kept coming. It just, you know. Relentless. <sighs> Relentless. A drop at a time. Well, maybe a little bit more than a drop at a time. <laughs> well, and I I married a man that who was my drinking partner, and and um, I think he functioned better than I did, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we were drinking. So that made it easier for me to keep going too. What did the What did the three martini lunch lead you to? <laughs> well. Um, I mean, very ever... slow afternoon at work, I gotta say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but everybody was kind of on that same thing. I never got in trouble because of it. No, I think that, that was just the way it was. It was. It did was. you Did you have cocktails after when you got home? I usually had um, would meet somebody after work. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard the phrase cocktailing? Yeah. I never heard that before. Somebody told me about that. I always chuckle. I didn't, never knew that cocktail could be a verb. Oh. <laughs> you know, but anyway. I didn't use it, but I have heard it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I, so I always wanted to just, oh, are you going cocktailing? I just wanted to say oh, that, you know. No. Once. <laughs> anyway, so you would have a cocktail. You, you, a couple th- drinks afterwards, yeah. yeah. So really when you think about it, I mean, you, you, like a couple cocktails after work, and you had a three-martini lunch, you know, so you've had five drinks since noon. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's yeah. just the way I'm counting. Right. I don't know. Well, I've mentioned that, um, I, you know, 
I was enjoying my life, I thought. I thought it was very sophisticated. I smoked. I uh, had martinis. I worked for an advertising agency. You know, it doesn't get any more it sophisticated. sophisticated. Yeah, it does. But uh, <laughs> I, when I was 19, I, I um, got a strep throat. And I, because I was away from home and our family doctor, I had to go with a new doctor and filling out forms. I remember lying about, I mean, they always ask, do you drink alcohol? Um, how much and how often? And and uh, I remember lying on it. I, I thought, because um, whatever they think is normal is normal. Oh, I see. You know. Yeah, like <laughs> they they're going to think they that don't even, know. if I said three drinks, they're going to tell me that's too much. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I I I don't know, somewhere deep down in there I knew whatever I was drinking was more than what was considered normal. Something wasn't right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So when did the uh when did the 10-year 10 10-year 10 fight begin? I mean, <sighs> we're jumping ahead probably yeah. pretty far. So maybe well, That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Um that happened um it was November of 1983. Um, I was active um, as a volunteer for um, an organization, you know, fundraising, and um, we had a function, and I got very, very drunk. And I, there was a woman there that I admired a lot and had a lot of respect for her. And I just was way over the top. And I probably fell. I don't remember at all. But I just remember looking up and seeing the look in her face, Mm -hmm. looking at me and um, how disgusted she was and um, just repulsed, whatever. And I, I just thought... Um, the only way that I can figure out to not get drunk like this is to not drink. Hmm. <laughs> and that's where the that's where the fight started. That's where the fight really started. And do you remember? Uh, um, do you remember ever seeing a look like that before? No, no. M- maybe I got them, but that's that was the first one you really recognized. That was the first one I recognized. Yeah, got to you. Yeah. And um, did you see any since from from that time forward? Oh, uh, there there might have been. I don't know, but that that, that one, one was time the, the really, one that got you. Yeah, I, and I didn't even know her that well. I just, um, I just like I, as I said, I I had a lot of respect for her. I thought she was a really nice person, and um, and she just was the opposite of me. Yeah. <laughs> and um, or so that's what you thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 Did you <clears throat> did anyone along the way between the time um that you, you know, the 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 three martini time and the uh and the disgusted look time um did anybody ever say anything to you about your drinking or um did 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 your did your kids you had kids you had kids we had kids yeah and um I taught them very well 
we would serve them a little glass of wine when we had dinner. Um, and uh, I'm not too proud of that. They've mm. all had their um, issues. I don't take responsibility for them being, if they are alcoholics or drug addicts, um, because they're um, 50, 51 and 49, so they're making their own decisions. But I I certainly was not setting a good example for them right. all those years. And did they did they they never said anything to you, or did they didn't they didn't know that <laughs> that the Chinese water torture was going on? No, no, they used to go out drinking beer with mom. Did they? Yeah, yeah. So it was so it was kind of in a way it was it, like your family of origin. It was just a normal natural yeah, thing. Yeah, right. Yes. Mm. Um, uh, my dad now um, back in the late seventies. My my dad. He he eventually died an alcoholic, you mm-hmm. know, um, in 1995. But he and my mom had um, separated for a short time, and uh, <clears throat> in order for him to be able to move back in, my mother insisted that he go to treatment, and that was in. Um, so he went to Lutheran General. And um, you know he really it didn't stick. Of course he was it wasn't his idea. And right. um, <clears throat> he just to get back in the house. <clears throat> but I knew during that period of time that um, because we went for family night and all that stuff um, that my how my husband viewed alcoholism and recovery and and <sighs> AA and uh, <clears throat> he it, it just did not feel like um, there was, is such a thing as an alcoholic. You just, if you have a problem with drinking, you just, just stop. stop. Yeah. And then you don't have a problem. Yeah, right. Right. So when I, in ni- up to 1990 or 83 there, when um, I realized that um, I just had to do something different because my husband, as I said, we, we were drinking partners. We... Um, played hard and so um, uh, this was my kind of secret battle yeah because if you if you stop drinking that's going to throw a monkey wrench into this right. deal but I did stop mm-hmm. and um, that took some courage well uh <laughs> I had such Earth. a horrible hangover from this one party that it wasn't too hard to, mm-hmm. to not drink for a couple of days. And uh, so I had decided, you know, re- still feeling so horrible from that night, remembering the, the look in that woman's eyes. And um, and so it, it, my husband and I were, you know, weight conscious, and so I... I said I wasn't drinking because I was dieting, and that was he accepted that. And so I didn't drink for almost three years. Hmm. Um, and but when I initially said, you know, the only w- way that I can not act like this is to not drink, it just sh- zoomed through my eye, my head like one of those little uh, newsreel things. Mm-hmm. You know, go to AA. And oh. and then I thought, no, <laughs> I can do this. So that was the last, you know, that I thought. 
yeah. of AA. So anyway, uh, almost three years later, um, and I was a very unhappy camper. Um, I was angry, <laughs> miserable, resentful, because I tried to just continue with my same lifestyle with my husband, with him drinking and me not, and mm. it, and with the same friends, the same playgrounds, and and it just um, that it sound, wasn't fun. It was not fun. fun. But um, as I said, this is my own little secret war. And um, did he think you were dieting for three years? <laughs> oh, I I don't think he, it, it mattered to him after a while. You know, I, right. I it and, just became yeah. That's that's right. what Karen's doing. That's right. Yeah. And um, so. Did you lose any weight? <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. Yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> You know, just up saying. and down, up and down. All right. Um, well, you know what we'll do. I think what we'll do is, if you're if you're okay with this, maybe we'll take a we'll take a little uh, break, and Chris is going to introduce the music. We'll take about whatever we got, and then we'll come back, and I think maybe we'll talk about sort of we'll pick it up from there and move into the recovery side and have mm-hmm. you talk about how. That works. Okay. Okay, is that all right? That's right. All right, what do we got, Chris? Thank you for listening so far to Recovery Internet Radio. Uh, it's been a great conversation, you guys. I appreciate that. We're going we're gonna to listen to Ahmad Jamal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that this particular track is called Suicide is Painless, mm-hmm. which okay. I'm not so sure about. But <laughs> The <laughs> yeah, theme from MASH. There you go. I think, yeah, a lot of people probably find this familiar, but this is a, this is a good... Uh, a good one. So enjoy the music and we'll be back with you in about five.
Welcome back to Recovery Internet Radio. Hope you enjoyed the music. We're going to get right back to our conversation here with Karen. Uh, things have been going great so far, and uh, if you're just joining us, you can uh, check us out anytime at recoveryinternetradio.com. Uh, link to the show and our phone number if you'd like to give us a call, of course, is 323-792-2977. You can tweet live. We can answer your questions on the air at Rick Atwater on Twitter or uh, on Facebook at Recovery Internet Radio. Let's get back to it. Let's get back to it. Thank you, Chris. So I think where 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 we left off was you had um, decided that you were going to not drink, and you had done that for three years, mm-hmm. and you had told your husband you're going on a diet, and then <laughs> it was a really long, then, long and, but you were miserable and unhappy. <laughs> I think that's where we got to. Yeah. And yeah. then, so what what happened as the result of miserable and unhappy? Well, uh, I was going to Europe with my parents on a trip. And France was um, part of the itinerary. And I just, I thought, well, I have proved to myself that I don't have a drinking problem. And if anybody goes to France and doesn't drink wine, that they must be crazy. So anyway, um, I got on the airplane. My parents and I were sitting waiting for the plane to taxi and were was offered a drink. Oh, yes, thank you. I, you know, just like that. Mm-hmm. Never another, didn't look back. And um, drank most of my way over <laughs> to France. And uh, we we really, we had a very nice trip. Actually, my we were joining up with my dad's older brother, um, who helped start an AA meeting in Portugal. Hmm. And so we were going to go to France and um, Spain and, and meet my Uncle Walter and, <clears throat> in um, Portugal. And then he was going to travel by train with us back to Paris. So anyway, drinking, drinking all the way, except Uncle Walter. He was just smiling <laughs> and the rest <laughs> of us the whole time. But um, And he, he died... Uh, a couple of years ago, the age of 90, after 45 years of sobriety in AA. So, yeah, he was a great um, example. But uh, so anyway, just yeah, come over most yeah. of the trip. Yeah, and so when you got back, um, then was it back? Was it business as usual then? Was yeah, it drinking? Absolutely. Um, did it? Did you know? Like so I've heard some people say, like you kind of tend to pick up pretty much where you left off with the drinking, or maybe even a little bit further along. Right, right. Is that true? I, as To my experience, yes. I, I think even though that three years that I wasn't drinking, my alcoholism was progressing that whole time. And um, so um, I had a whole lot less tolerance once I started again. And... Um, and... Um, then I just had to figure out ways to control it. I I knew I was going to keep on drinking, but I just have to control it better mm-hmm. and not, not just drink all out like I always had. And I just I got <laughs> a whole list so, of things. Good. In the big book, you know, in the third chapter, they have a paragraph that lists all different things people right. have tried. 
I've tried a lot of those, and abstinence was the first one. That, right. That three years. Try quitting. And sure. then um, uh, limiting the number of drinks, and sometimes it worked. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it didn't. Um, not drinking in the morning. Uh, that proves that you're an alcoholic if you drink in the morning. Mm. And, and besides, Does that I, count even if you work nights? Yes. It does. Mm-hmm. Yes, it okay, does. I was just thinking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Looking I'm for I'm you. trying to shoot an angle is what I'm doing. But my dad um my dad I've seen him so many times trying to gag down a drink in the morning mm-hmm. and um he'd keep throwing it up until he got one to stay down and I just thought that's never gonna be me. And mm-hmm. so I never drank in the morning because of that. But that has nothing to do with what, deciding whether you're an alcoholic or not. I know I'm an alcoholic, but I never drank in the morning. So, so there. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we're clear on that, right? Yeah. And the self-help books, I kept looking for the answer. There must have be something. I knew, you know, I I was looking for an answer, um, something I was missing. Um, it must be in one of those books. Mm-hmm. And uh, never could find it. And I'd avoid certain people because certain people more, were more fun than other people. And so that meant they were trouble. And I, if I, if I was with them, I was going to get in trouble too. So. so you had to avoid the fun ones? Yeah, sometimes. Oh. You know, yeah. I didn't always. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, How about uh, brands? Did you switch brands? or? or? Um, no, I started um, eliminating um different hard liquors one by one by one by one you know um gin vodka scotch scotch was one of the first ones actually I, that was that was back when I was still at home and I went to a party with my parents and it was an out uh, labor day party and it was it just the weather turned freezing cold and so Somebody said, here, have some scotch. That'll warm you up. And I just got violently ill and um, never had scotch again. So, um, That's off the and table. And tequila and mm-hmm. the on and mm-hmm. on and on. So Those all, those all got crossed off the all list. All those got like, crossed not off. not the one. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, as I, I mentioned, my tolerance got lower and lower. And so I switched to just either beer or wine. And um, because I wanted to <laughs> last a little longer, because I, you know, if I went to a party and had had a um, martini or something, I, ten minutes later I'd be on the couch. Some I'd curl up somewhere, um, and um, I didn't want to do that. So I was able to last a little longer mm-hmm. by drinking something not so potent. You know, it's interesting that so, you know some people would have a hard time uh, understanding that concept that when you, if you've stopped drinking for a period of time and then you start again, that the disease progresses whether you're drinking or not. Uh-huh. Right. And, but you're saying that that was your experience. That's that right. Your, to- what, the, your tolerance was lower when you started drinking again. That's exactly and it never, right. And it never, you, you know, like when you first start drinking, you, you build your tolerance up. Uh-huh. That didn't happen when you started again. No. no. See, and that's you know that's just 
pretty symptomatic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was the final, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? What, what, um, what, well, what, what happened when you finally needed to get some help? Well, this, the remainder of this 10 years, you know, the abstinence for three years and then the seven years of trying to control, um, I, I would, um, my husband and I uh, would go out for dinner quite often and I had figured out I thought that I could have one bottle of wine. I wouldn't be, you know, make a fool of myself, and I wouldn't have a hangover the next day. So um, when we'd sit down at the table, my husband would order um, a, a martini or something else, and I would have this bottle of wine. I usually got champagne because, mm-hmm. you know, that's nicer. It's sophisticated. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can't be an alcoholic if you're drinking champagne. So anyway, <laughs> all baloney, all baloney. Right. And um, so if one night he would say, I think I'll I'll just have a glass of that wine first. I'd be, and, you know, as I said, this is all this war going on in my head. He doesn't know anything about me trying to control. And he's drinking a glass of your champagne? That's what I said. <laughs> you're drinking my champagne. Well, you're not I, saying it, but that's what you're thinking, exactly. right? And that's one less yeah. glass for right. me. Well, I thought, damn, now I've got to order another bottle. You know? <laughs> and or, you know, we finished dinner, and and you know the check is coming, and I feel like, okay, we're gonna make it, you know. And then somebody we know would walk into the restaurant, and you know. Now we got to have another drink with them. Now I got to have another bottle. I mean, it's it's so ridiculous to me now to think, you know, I have to have that. There's no other way. There's no other answer except, you know, and once the bottle is open, it has to be finished. Um, so anyway, I the my husband is becoming the enemy because I'm thinking he's. Um, uh, if he offers me, a, would you like another drink or something? I'm thinking he's trying to sabotage me. And so, you know, over year after year, I'm looking for someone else to blame besides myself. And um, so he he becomes the bad guy. And so our marriage was getting pretty rough. And um, this this. One night we were scheduled to go out for dinner with some friends, one other couple, good friends, and they they were of all the people we knew they they were not really heavy drinkers, but um at the last minute, my husband's schedule was changed, and so since they were really good friends, the three of us decided we'd go anyway, and we drank. And we drank, and you know we're ready to go. And I said, "Oh no, let's have another bottle. Let's have another bottle." And uh, I spoke to both of them the next day. And, and this guy, um, he's a workaholic. He always even worked Sundays. He didn't go to work that day. And um, my friend, the, his wife, um, she said, "I feel so sick." And I, I had never seen her drunk the whole time. 
that uh, we'd been friends. And um, and it's then that I thought, you know, it's not Jack, it's me. It's been me all along. I've been blaming him, I, you know, thinking if I wasn't married to him, I wouldn't have a problem. And um, and I just, I was standing in my kitchen this Sunday morning and thought, I, I just can't do this anymore. And I realized that I was my problem. And I went into the drawer and got the telephone book and called AA. That hmm. was that. Mm-hmm. And um, did somebody come out, or did uh, did you go, did they tell you where a meeting was, or how did that work? Well, I talked. <laughs> I didn't want anybody <laughs> in Crystal Lake to see me at a meeting, um, which is so funny because you know I'd stagger around any restaurant <laughs> in Crystal Lake. <laughs> didn't worry about that a bit, but I didn't want them to see me at an AA meeting. So mm-hmm. um, I. This woman was on the phone. She talked to me for, I would guess, two, two and a half hours we talked. Mm. And she really kind of told her story. She became my first sponsor, as it turned out, uh, temporary sponsor. Mm. And um, so this was a Sunday morning, and um, she said, uh, well, she's looking at a schedule trying to figure out where I could go. And she said, well, Tuesday there's a meeting at Burton's Bridge at 10.30. So um, she said, I will have someone meet you there. She said, I'm working at that hour, but I'll have somebody meet you there. And I couldn't wait for that Tuesday morning to come. I was so ready. I just wanted to go. And um, I had no idea what I was getting in for. Um it didn't matter. I I was finished. You yeah. Know, that was all. I I'd done it. <laughs> and so what did happen? I went to the meeting, um, didn't understand anything that went on. Uh it all they have the steps written on the wall there and it just looked like another language or something to me. But um and people were smiling and happy and I I thought, don't they know how serious this is? (laughs) I couldn't get, you know, what are they laughing about? This is, you know, so anyway. This is life and death here. Exactly. Well, it it is. is. But it It is. is. But, yeah. But anyway, um, yes, I I began my recovery. And the interesting part to me, uh, I mean, that that three years that I was I didn't drink or I was dry or whatever you want to call it. Um, when I started drinking again, I was you know the same person, but my disease had progressed. But the difference is, I I had not learned a thing. I <laughs> you know I didn't go to AA, and that was a choice that I made, um, I figured I could do it by myself, but I didn't learn a thing. And once I came, started going to meetings, and uh, even though I didn't understand it all at first, um, I, I realized that I needed to 
um, be changed. I needed, um, and and here was a plan. So easy, you know, just follow these steps. And it is easy, uh, simple, I should say, but um, uh, major, major life changes for me. Can you, um, uh, one of the one of the questions I had sort of plugged in here was, what, what were some of the cornerstone events in your recovery along the way? Like, what would you say were some of the things that kind of, I don't know, cemented your changes or mm. highlighted your changes along the way? Well, very early on, um, I, I was really struck by the way I was welcomed, you know, and, and the way people, people remembered me when I went to another meeting and, and were friendly, and, and I was suspicious, I would say, but... Um, <laughs> uh, what did you think that they like wanted money or something? What? Yeah. And or why would they, they like? They passed the basket, and yeah. I thought, "Aha! This is this is a cult." That, <laughs> and, you know, um, just like I always thought, you know. But um, uh, the first couple of months, uh, I was going to meetings out of town, and um, I went to one in um, Wakanda. There was a woman there. It was a four-step meeting. And of course, I wasn't on the fourth step. And um, um, she had come in at about the same time that I had. And so we had, you know, like two months of sobriety. And and um, so it's going around the table, and everybody's commenting about the fourth step. And it came to me, and I blah 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 whatever I said. I it meant to me, and it it. Um, got around to her and she just glared at me across the table like that and she said I'm not on the fourth step and my sponsor said if I'm not on that step I should shut up and listen and <laughs> so of course I I didn't like her she was this real tough toughy and um, so um, the meeting breaks up and I'm starting, I actually had my hand on the door, might have even walked through the door, and I heard her say, asking for a ride. She she needed a ride because she didn't have a car. She lost her license. And um, I'm thinking how I, she irritated me, and I didn't like this woman just, you know, like that. And I turned around and went back and offered her a ride. And I thought, who did that? That wasn't me that did that. <laughs> something changed. Yes, something had already started to change. And I'd seen, you know, how giving other people were, and I just thought this, this is the right thing to do. And so, um, here's the woman. I, you know, neither one of us would probably want to have anything to do with the other mm-hmm. at, at any given time. And um, and we became good friends. We we um, went to a lot of meetings together. We went to a conference. The very first conference I ever went to was down near O'Hare, and and we were roommates for that. So. So that's a yeah that's a that's a a marker for mm-hmm. for a pretty a pretty big change. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been through a lot of stuff in your sobriety, and I know you just 
with the, you know, fairly recently, you, you lost a son. Yeah, that's right. Our yeah. oldest son. Yeah. He died in April, April 15th. Um, he was in Hawaii. Um, and he fell. We don't know the details. Um, um, I do know that he was diagnosed as bipolar when he was in his 30s, and and he disagreed. And so he never was treated. Um, but, um, you know, he was a really great guy. We were close. And, um, I mean, you know, Spiritually, I guess, um, he lived in Seattle for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, it was a big loss for us. But I, I've i read quite a few books and um, have a lot of friends who helped me through that period. And um, AA, mm-hmm. especially close friends in AA, um, were very supportive are still and um and I just I I I now have um a belief in a higher power, a God I call God and um I I came back to that um mm. once I got sober. It was what I'd been missing for so mm. long. And um so um I mean I, I'm Losing Jeff on, you know, that he's no longer walking on this earth, it's it's just not as painful as I imagined it would ever be. I mm. thought I couldn't survive something like that, but I I know because of the faith I have now, I I feel like he still exists and um, he's loved and he's happy and um, I'll see him again. So. And one of the reasons that I asked you that is because I think that a lot of people would think in the back of their minds, well, if this happens, I'm going to throw I'm gonna in the, to I'm going to have to drink. And you didn't do that. No, I didn't do that. And, um, I, you know, meeting people through the years that I've been sober, um, I've heard some people say um, from time to time, you know, that if some tragedy, certain tragedy happened in their life, that that's the first thing they do, or, uh, you know, if they were diagnosed as terminal, they go out and drink Mm -hmm. and smoke, but I love being sober. I love living a sober life, and I just, that feeling of losing touch that you get with just taking that first drink of alcohol is not a place I want to be anymore. Mm-hmm. I really love being conscious and alive, and um, I often say I, I'd like to be the poster child for senior women. <laughs> <laughs> uh, life is fun. I yeah, you're pretty, you're pretty happy. I am a happy person, very happy, really happier then I and who would have who would have guessed it, huh? <laughs> right. Who would have guessed it? Right. If we had, um, you know, if if we have a listener out there who is thinking about, um, you know, thinking about their drinking and whether or not they should do something about it, um, 
Is there anything that you would like to tell them? Is there anything that any piece of uh, wisdom or advice or experience that you'd like to pass to, to them? Because we never know. I don't know. Who, see, we never know who's listening. It's Internet right. radio, and it right. could be anybody anywhere. And we'd like to think that people out there who are listening maybe are people that might be interested in this particular topic. So what would you tell them? Well, um, I I can only say that I am becoming the person that I've always wanted to be. And um, prior to getting sober, my life was just a lie. I... I, um, wanted to be certain have certain characteristics to be reliable and um punctual uh, and caring and loving and kind and but I couldn't pull it off because every time you know drinking just was an everyday thing and once I drank that's that's what I did I drank you know yeah. and um, I've taken up different hobbies. My friends sitting over there and I are beaters now and make jewelry. And um, I've, um, I've challenged myself. Um, I read an article early in sobriety um, uh, written by a woman who said, you know, try something. You know, challenge yourself. Uh, if you don't like it, you you don't have to keep doing it, you know. And I at this time she was talking about ocean kayaking. And um, uh, as it turned out, she did like it and stuck with it. But um, I tried that, and I do like kayaking. I I tried um, uh, scuba diving, and I made three 40-foot dives, and I don't like that. <laughs> and it's okay. I I you know it's okay for me to to not. Mm-hmm become an expert at something but I, I feel like my life is genuine now and uh, that you know we're we're in our AA program it's, you know it says you know we will not regret the past and I um, I know it <laughs> why regret it because you can't change it anyway but I remember um, when my kids were in Little League and we lived right near the Little League field and um it was a. I was just bored out of my mind. The game was going on and on and on, and so I thought, I'm just going to slip home and have a beer and come back. And um, I did. I don't know how long I was gone. Probably longer than I had planned. But I came back. The game was stopped, and there's this crowd. And as I got closer, there's a little boy on the ground, and it's my son. And all these other mothers are attending to my son because he got hit in the head with a baseball. And uh, I didn't quit drinking right then, but um, that was one of those moments that brought me closer to my bottom and um, made me realize that's not the kind of person I want to be. I, you know, yeah. I want to be responsible, loving, caring, reliable, and um, you know having a beer in the middle of a, a, a little league game. game is not yeah, that. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. And so I guess what the what the, the message is is that this that your sobriety has allowed you to be who you've always wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh and that's a great message. And uh 
and a great story, and I really appreciate um, you telling it and being here tonight to give us that message and tell us about yourself and, and pass that along. So it was it was a great story, and I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners and to our studio audience for making us a successful little <laughs> underground support source for the recovering community. We'll email our reminders for next week's show. Um, if you want to be on the list, go to recoveryinternetradio.com. Dot com. <laughs> it's a great think, it's a great email. It's just a nice reminder every week. It's yeah. got a direct link to the show and um you know, sign up and even if it's not your thing that week, pass it on to somebody you know. Yeah, we hope that yeah, we hope that if you get that message you'll pass it along to those who could use it or would enjoy it. Um so uh we also want to hear from you, so if you go to the website you can sign up for that and then we'll know where you are or where you're coming from. That would be a nice thing too. So, uh, again, thank you. And as always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we'll see you at 8 p.m. next Sunday night. Okay. Bingo.